to see everybody out here this morning. Daddy always tries to rope me into preaching, and I have to say I'm not a big fan of preaching. And it's not because I don't love reading God's Word or sharing God's Word with people, but I hate talking in a way where someone can't just immediately say, Hey, Douglas, I disagree with you. Because I don't by no means uh, claim to have something anybody else here doesn't have. So uh, if I say anything wrong, please come up to me right after and let's make it right so we can uh, get that right and don't want to be saying anything that's wrong. What I want to share with you this morning is uh, from Ezekiel chapter 16. And what I want to do is I want to read some verses in Ezekiel chapter 16 and look at the state of the people of Israel and Jerusalem and what it was in. And then I want to take and apply that to, to us and hopefully uh, get a lesson for us out of it. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. We're going to read the first uh, five verses there. <clears throat> then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in cloths. No eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for you were abhorred on the day you were born. So, right, looking at these, he's saying where Jerusalem was before he found them, where the people of Israel were before he, God found them. They were a baby that was thrown out, right? They didn't, they were in their blood. They had, their navel cord was not cut. They weren't washed. They were left out to die. Everybody was looking at them. They were abhorred. This was not something that was a pretty sight at all. They were, they were going to die, right? You throw a baby out by itself, it's going to die. Um, it was uh, naked, not clothed, and unwanted and abandoned. Uh, going down to verse 6, we're going to keep reading 6 through 14. When I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood, I said to you while you were in your blood, Live, yes, I said to you while you were in your blood, live. I made you numerous like plants of the fields. Then you grew up became tall and reached the age for fine ornaments. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. Then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered, entered into a covenant with you, so that you became mine, declares the Lord. Then I bathed you with water, washed off your blood from you, and anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered cloth, and put sandals of porpoise skin on your feet. And I wrapped you with fine linen, and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your hands, and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nostrils, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your dress was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil, so you were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Then your fame went forth from among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was perfect because of my splendor which I bestowed upon you, declares the Lord God. So remember we have this baby that's squirming in his blood. It's going to die. And then the Lord passes by. The Lord takes pity on this baby, right? This is the people of Israel and people of Judah, right, that we're going back to. They were nothing without God. God gave them everything. God elevated them to this position, right? Just using this whole, this whole um, imagery of a baby to describe what the Lord has done for them. He's clothed them. He's fed them. He's, he's allowed this nation to become great. People look at them and they're like, wow, this is a thing of awesome. 
This is awesome. But it's because of what the Lord had done. That's why they're where they are. All right, we're going to keep reading. Verses 15 through 22. But you trusted in your beauty and played the harlot because of your fame. And you poured out your harlotries on every passerby who might be willing. You took some of your clothes made for yourself, high places of various colors, and played the harlot on them, which should never come about nor happen. You also took your beautiful jewels made of, made of my gold and of my silver, which I have given you, and made for yourself male images that you might play the harlot with them. Then you took your embroidered cloth and covered them, and offered my oil and my incense before them. Also my bread, which I gave you, fine flour, oil and honey, which I fed you, you would offer before them for a soothing aroma. So it happened, declares the Lord God. Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters whom you had born to me, and sacrificed them to idols to be, to be, to be devoured. Were your harlotries so small a matter? You slaughtered my children and offered them up to idols by causing them to pass through the fire. Besides all your abominations and harlotries, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare and squirming in your blood. It hurts. It hurts to see what God did for this people and how they took everything that he gave them, all these good things that God gave them, and what did they do with them? They gave them to idols. They gave them to all these things. They gave them to every evil thing. And it, 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 it's, it's terrible. They sacrificed the kids that God had blessed them with to idols. Just how backwards is this idea that you give something, give something to someone? It's like, I mean, I, I'll use this thing, right? You give someone a gun. You give your kid a gun, right, to go hunt with, right, to go enjoy. And they turn around and they kill you with that gun. It's kind of that concept of something good has been given, something that is used for enjoyment or something to, to help serve someone, and you turn around and punish the person who gave it to you, someone who blessed you with something, and you throw it right back in their face. That's just, I mean, just imagine the pain that, that the Lord feels. Obviously, the Old Testament is here for us today, right? How do we do these exact same things? What has the Lord blessed us with? That's what I want to spend the rest of our time looking at, is what has the Lord done for us, and how do we make sure we don't fall in this exact same trap of taking the good things the Lord has blessed us with and throwing them in our face? Uh, let's go to, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Read some verses there. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. This is where we were without God. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were still reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also exult in our God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Notice what it says there. We were helpless, we were sinners, and we were enemies. We were cast out. We were not a part of God. We were separate from Him. And then what happened? Christ died for us. Verse 8, God saved us. Just like, just like the children of Israel, they were nothing without God. We were nothing without God. Not only were we nothing without God, we were enemies, right? We were against Him. We were helpless and we were sinners. We had nothing. Going over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Read some verses there. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. But you 
are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights. For you were once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. We have been called out. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Verse 10 says, We were not a people, but now we are the people of God. We were nothing, but now we are something. We were had not received mercy, but now we have mercy because what God has done for us. And because of all this, verse 11 and 12 tells us some things we need to be doing, right? We need to abstain from fleshly lust, and we need to keep our behavior excellent. Uh, jumping over to 1 John chapter 3, I'm going to read some verses there as well. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, this is a little lengthier. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has appeared to us, appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him. He cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this the children of God and the children of of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. We're called children of God. We are God's own children. We're not just we're not just someone God picked up. He's he has allowed us to be called his children. He's given us a hope of heaven with him. And because of this, right, we're supposed to be a different kind of people. We're not supposed to be practicing sin. We're not supposed to be practicing lawlessness. We're supposed to be set apart people. And it's obvious to see, right? If we're, if we're practicing righteousness, we're doing good, we'll be righteous. But if we're not, we're, we're of the devil. We're servants of him. Um, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. It's just further right going into the idea of what God has done for us and, and what we should do in response. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Again, why did God come to the earth? Why did Jesus come? To bring salvation to all men, so that we can deny ungodliness, so that we can live sensibly, righteously, and godly in today's world. 
And I like what it says in verse 14. It says, we are a people for his own possession. We are God's people. We are different. We are different in this world. And what should we be? We should be zealous for good deeds. So a lot of this we believe we've seen, right? We've seen what, what God has done for us and that we're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to be caught up in sin. But I like to take it like just kind of a step further and we think about, we go back to what, what God had done for Israel, right? He had given them all these good gifts, right? They, they didn't just do nothing, but they took and shoved them back in God's face, right? They sinned against God with them. I want us to take it a step further and not just say, well, let's not sin against God with what he's given us, but let's use what God has given us for good works, right? We're called, we're called to do that. Um, I, I, think about, I think about things that God has given us, right? God has given us clothing. All of us here are wearing clothes, right? I'm sure most of us here this morning had an opportunity to eat, eat some food. God gave us food, right? You came from homes. A lot of us have the blessings of children, right? These are all things that we saw that the Israelites had, all the things that God had given them, and all the things that they did and put in God's face and profaned Him. When I think about, when I think about kids, like how can we, how can we like metaphorically sacrifice our kids to an idol, right? How can we sacrifice like they were doing? And I think about what we allow our children to see. What, what are we bringing to our homes? Do we, what are we allowing them to watch on TV? Are we allowing the world to take them away? Are we sacrificing them to the world by what we allow them to consume, consume through the TV or what we allow them to do outside of the home? Matthew 18, 5 through 6. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble... It would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. But we know the, the consequence for, for allowing a child to stumble, right? It's what, what it just said there. Well, let's not just look at this and say, well, let's keep them from stumbling, but how do, we, how do we push them? How do we push them to become servants of God? How do we help them serve the Lord? How do we not just use the things that God has given us? How do we not, how do we not use them for sin, but use them for good? Um, let's go. Let's go to Matthew chapter twenty-five. And I don't have to read it all, but it's it's going through the talents, right? And the and the Lord the Lord gives out talents, right? He gives what talent to one talent man, two talents, and two talents, and five talents to the other, right? And he gives these talents, and then the, the master goes away on a journey. And as he goes away, the two talent, the five talent man, they make those talents back, right? They double. One of them has four at the end, and the other one has ten. Well, that one talent man, what did he do with his? He buried his. He put it in the ground. It's not that he, he used it for evil. He just didn't use it at all. He put it in the ground, and when the master came back, he gave it to him. <laughs> let's, see what, let's see what the master said to him in Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. And the one who also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. See, have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you have ought to put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This isn't someone who took their, their talent and, and sinned against God with it. They just didn't even use it. How much more for us if we, the things that the Lord has blessed us with, we're not using to serve Him. We're just not using it all. 
right? Make sure we're using the things that the Lord has blessed us with. Um, if you jump back up to verse 23, the people that did use their talents, the master said to them, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter in the joy of the master. This is where we all want to get to. This is what we all want to hear one day, right? You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of me. Enter into the joy of your master. I mean, just think about staying on the day of judgment day and the Lord looking and saying, hey, I gave you these things. You did exactly what I wanted you to do with them. You went and used your talents to serve me. Enter into the joy. Here's your reward for what you have done. So again, kind of summarizing this idea, I want us to get back and think about the Israelites, where they were. They had nothing. God made them something. They were going to die. It's the same state we're in. Without God, we are dead. We are nothing. We are useless, right? The world wants us to say we're worth something, right? You're not worth anything without God. We're not. I mean, you're not going to find you're not going to find happiness. You're not going to find satisfaction. You can go back to Ecclesiastes and read through Solomon, someone who went and literally tried every single avenue to find happiness in this world, right? Money, he had it all. Women, he had it all. Power, he had it all. What did he say? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Guys, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to go back and try all these things. Solomon's already showed us what, what, what's going to make us happy, and it's serving the Lord. And that's just kind of what I want to point back again and say, hey, we need to be serving the Lord. The Lord has done so much for us. He's called us out. He has made us a separate people for his own possession. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I mean, like we read in Romans, you're helpless, you're an enemy, you're a sinner, you don't have anything without Christ. Um, you can come forward and be baptized. Now's the time to do it. Or if, or if you've, uh, you know, you are a Christian and you've sinned and you need help, that's what we're here for, guys. We're here to help each other. We talked about it in Bible class, right? We're here to help each other out and to share where we need, uh, where we need help, share and pray for each other and help each other get through things we're struggling with. If we can help you in any way, please come forward as we stand together and sing.